0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. And the last message that we were doing um, in, in this study, Encourage You, uh, we were charged to do a few things, and I just want to remind you of that because I think they're very important things. Uh, Paul was talking to the Thessalonian believers, and he's getting ready to wrap this this letter up. And basically what we gleaned from that was that we need to be the the Christians that are submitted to spiritual leaders, such as Paul had confidence in the Thessalonian believers. Again, that's where his confidence was. He was confident that they would be submitted to the spiritual leaders, uh, he, he and his missionary team, and also there in the church. The second thing was to be the Christian that's directed to the love of God in all things and always be the christian determined to be the christian that's directed to the love of god and everything. So in everything we do, let it be uh, in the love of god. And the third thing was to be the christian that's driven by the faithfulness of Christ. Again, often our faithfulness to the lord or to the things of god doesn't mirror the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in his mission uh, on this earth and even his faithfulness to us in our life. And so the charge was to to make sure that our faithfulness is in 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 light of or mirroring reflective of the faithfulness of christ uh, and that should be driving us daily and so this evening we come to the last several verses of second thessalonians uh, in the last chapter there and we're going to try to wrap this up i think i can get through uh, these two points if not then we'll break it into one more message uh, but it will at least i know get point number one which is is important uh, as well as point or two. So let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time again. We thank you for uh, this opportunity to come here in the middle of the week to be encouraged again. Lord as your people. Uh, we can never get enough of singing praises to you. Uh, we can never get enough gathering together and, and being in your word together. Lord, we are doing that daily. Hopefully all of us are doing that daily uh, individually, but as your people, centered around you, focused on you, focused on your word, Uh, again such a great privilege and the liberties that you've given us in this country and so we're thankful for we're thankful that we get to uh, not only do this but again share this this amazing gospel share this word with those around us and so lord i I pray that as we are here tonight uh, centered on your word that you would be exalted that your will is accomplished and uh, that you'd simply use me as a vessel Lord, help us to uh, focus on this message focus on these scriptures and apply this as it needs to be applied i know that it's been a long day for most of us, uh, but I pray that today, that tonight, right now, in these in these uh, next several minutes, that we would be refreshed in our spirits, that be refreshed in our in our lives, so that we can finish this week out, and we can take this with us and be effective for you. Lord, we praise you for what you do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're gonna we're getting into a, a scripture tonight, or, or uh, several scriptures that can be um, a little sensitive to some people. And so uh, there may be a little bit of um, hurting. I don't, I don't know if hurting is the right word, toe, step, I, I don't know. Uh, not just that, but also it can be a little difficult to follow for those of us maybe whose toes it doesn't step on. Uh, maybe it'll convict us or step on our toes in a different way, but it'll be maybe hard to do. Uh, But I want to say this, the church was never designed, it was never ordained to be a welfare organization. say that again. The church was never designed to be a welfare organization. However, the principles of Scripture, the commands that we see inside of Scripture, and even for the church, as well as the example of our Lord, teach us that we are absolutely to help those that are in need. So, again, these are principles of followers of Christ. These are principles of of believers in God. Uh, We are to make sure that we are taking care of those who are in need. Again, with that being said, it doesn't mean that the church is a welfare organization. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us, even going back to, I'll reference this again later on in the scripture, uh, in the message, in Leviticus chapter 23, that uh, even as preparation for the the, uh, Feast of uh, Booths, that... They're when they're harvesting, they were supposed to make sure and leave the corners of their fields, and they were supposed to uh, not pick up anything that was dropped in the harvesting of the crop because that was supposed to be left for strangers passing through the town. It was also supposed to be left for the poor in the town that needed to eat. And so, again, there is to be provision made to make sure to help individuals. Um, And that is to be done on an individual and family basis But also the church can do that collectively and we are to love we're to respond in love And this is to be the quality of our life not just the command of our life And so not just uh, because we're to love i'm going to do this because i'm commanded to love This is why i'm going to do it. No, it's to be the quality of our life. I'm going to do this because I love That makes sense I'm not doing this just because I have to, because I'm told to love, and so I'm going to help somebody because I'm commanded to love. No, I'm going to help somebody because I love. And so again, it's a different take, it's a quality uh, and condition of our heart and our mind, but I want to say all this with us helping other people individually, us helping other people as a church, us being a blessing to other people, us trying to be a blessing to the community, us being a part of community link uh, a food pantry in in town here us trying to uh, minister to those in need in our own church and also as as the lord allows us outside of our church this is the important thing to remember it never is to take the place or to to take the focus of the mission of the church this is one of the problems that exists in 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 the church culture today is so many churches are so focused on just being a blessing so many churches are just focused on of this the social gospel of well if we just love them then they'll want to come and that's not at all what Jesus exemplified exemplified not at all what he taught and that's not what we're called to do we are called to make disciples of all nations that's the mission of the church again in the process we are absolutely to love and to help other people so again the the church's purpose of existence of course is to glorify him but to bear fruit by making disciples of every nation with that being said there are interrelational commands that we have and that we're to observe in order for us to be a strong unified functioning body together in order to be effective in our witness to the lost world so again there are absolutely things like forgive as you are forgiven uh, love one another as i have loved you there are interrelational commands that we have a- as the believers in Jesus Christ. Again, that's not the mission. We have uh, you know, ministry to each other, uh, whether it's encouraging ministries, uh, uh, strengthening ministries like we had last night. Iron sharpening iron, men being strengthened in our manhood and in our, uh, our responsibility as Christian husbands and Christian fathers. Uh, those, are, those are good things, but again, not the mission of the church. So this is what we do, our mission is clear, but there's a problem. There's a problem, and it's this. There are people that don't do what they can do, both as individuals and as families, and as contributors to the church. And they bring with this lack of investment, lack of doing what they can do, with an expectation of others doing it. And in some cases, others footing their bill. And this problem is not a new problem. Again, we're going to see that here in in Thessalonians. We see even in in our culture around us, uh, the the whole welfare program. And if somebody's on welfare, I'm I'm not knocking that. I'm just simply saying there can with this be an expectation. There can with this be an entitlement that others are supposed to take care of them when they don't have the same thing as everybody else. And that's, that's one of the, the struggles of, well, I, I, I want to be taken care of so that I have what they have. And that is, again, not the responsibility of Christians, not the responsibility of the church, is to make sure that everybody lives on the same level uh, in, in this life. The Thessalonians, again, there wasn't anything different. This is what they experienced. There were some people in the church, obviously, that were refusing to work. Um, or some of them had actually stopped working. And, and even in the first letter to the Thessalonians, and the first Thessalonians, some of them, it's supposed, thought that the day of the Lord was already come upon them. And again, Paul kind of eased their fears in chapter 4, uh, you know, in chapter 5. Don't be ignorant. The day of the Lord's not come upon you. Uh, I, I've told you these things. Uh, and so some people had kind of gone into panic mode. Again, stopping working, stopping uh, helping, just kind of going into... Uh, I'll wait on these things to happen. Others were in the state of mind that they would just not do what they were responsible or they had the responsibility to do and actually what they could do. And they would rely on other people to not only take care of things, those responsibilities in the church, well, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will, will see to that. Somebody else will take care of that. But they also had this mindset of others taking care of them financially and in substance and so again it was a deflection of responsibility it was an idleness of mind and heart and of life and again this principle is not at all biblical and actually is a toxic mindset a toxic state of living it's selfish and it's self-centered the church every single member is to be others minded every single one of us is to have the mindset of others, including those who are struggling, including those who who may be uh, lacking or without. Every single member of the church is to be thinking about other people before themselves. Every member is also to be engaged in using their gifts and using their abilities to edify others. Again, being others-minded. Every member of the Lord's church contributing for the sake of others. Every person is to be personally responsible for not only working in the church and serving one another and and helping in the mission of the church, but every person is to be working and providing for his or her own family so that they can help others. Again, others-minded. That's, again, going back to Leviticus, going back to uh, what Jesus even taught. Uh, We are to live our lives in such a way that we can be that blessing to others. The Apostle Paul had to address this issue with the Thessalonians again in the second letter, and this is what we come to at the very end of the, this, this letter. At the very end of this chapter, this is what we find. And this is, a, again, an interesting way to wrap up a letter uh, because the Apostle has covered so many different things, and now he's come to a place uh, where he's kind of—it uh, it, it involves church discipline. It involves relationships within the church and how to handle the relationship— with people that are in this position. And so verse 6, he says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. What does he mean? Every brother, every every person that's called a Christian that's inside the church and that is living in an irresponsible or an undisciplined way, you are to avoid them. You are to withdraw yourselves from regular fellowship with a person that's walking in an irresponsible, irresponsible, in an undisciplined way and not after the tradition which he received of us so again I want to be clear what he just said in the very first part of that verse six this is not a suggestion but a command this is a command for the church for the members of the church to treat other people who are in the church who are supposed to be Christians this way again it's a command in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so this is a very serious issue Again, wrapping up this last letter, why was this, why was this needing to be addressed? Because it was a very serious issue. Again, as I said, partly because this toxicity that can be bred inside of a body that's focused, or that is to be focused on others, to be others-minded, and to be laboring together as co laborers together with God, as to be being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord— this mindset of being not on board, this mindset of, of, of being uh, selfish and self-centered, this mindset of, well, I don't feel like doing this, this mindset of, uh, well, I've got my own stuff to take care of, or, or who's going to help me, or, or who's going to, again, this, this type of selfish, self-centered, me-only consumer mentality is, is toxic inside the church. And so Paul is addressing, hey, Those people who are living irresponsibly, those people who are not living a disciplined life, those people who are self-centered and not working and not investing and not thinking about other people, not contributing this mindset, these people, they're actually, actually detracting from the mission and the purpose of the church. You got somebody coming in and they just sit in a seat And they expect other people to minister to them. They expect other people to help them financially. They expect other people to do these things. And Paul says, listen, if somebody's living disorderly, somebody's living irresponsibly and undisciplined, and they're focused only on themselves, and this is the way they're living, avoid fellowship with them. And that's why I said in the very beginning, it can be a hard thing to do. It can be a very hard thing to do because then then you're saying, well, wait a second. I mean, what, where's the line? At what, at what point, you know, how do we know? We'll, we'll get into a little bit in, in just a second. But I've shared this, and we've seen, if you've been involved in Sunday school, uh, you've seen along the way uh, in, in our adult classes this, this information about unity that we've been focusing on, uh, this idea of what Jesus has called the church to, what he prayed for in John chapter 17, the oneness of the body uh, that he died for. And so we've seen in those lessons that there are unity builders and there are unity killers. There are things that, that, that help enhance and strengthen the body in its mission and in its effectiveness in this world. And there are things that, that detract from that, that kill that unity, that pull, that pull the members apart and make it less effective, the body less effective. So when someone's a part of a team, or they're supposed to be, and they're not contributing to that team, They are actually a cause of division. And so Paul, when he says, when you have somebody that's living disorderly, when they're living irresponsibly and undisciplined and unconnected and selfish and self-centered and expecting other people to take care of them and minister to them, when they're living like that, they're actually pulling away from the whole purpose of the body of Christ. Attitude always is reflected in action. At some point in time, our attitudes are reflected in our actions it either manifests itself in an actual action something that we actually do and it's whoa wow or oh that's interesting or it manifests itself in an undedicated or an unfaithful action in other words the action stops so when we're really not engaged, when we're really about ourselves, when we're really not where we're supposed to be, we, we may do something for a while, but it's the attitude of our heart's going to eventually come out and it's going to be not good or we're going to stop doing what we have been trying to fake it until we make it, which is not right. See, you can only pretend that you're on board for so long. That's, that's just the reality. You can only pretend so long. So Paul commands the believers to stay away from any brother who's leading and uh, living in an unruly, undisciplined, disorderly, that's not connected to the spiritual leadership, the spiritual instruction, the mission of the church. He's saying you need to withdraw yourself from somebody who's living this undisciplined life and that's not living after the example of those spiritual leaders, of, namely Paul and the missionaries, him, but also the spiritual leaders there in the church. They're, they're not following the direction of the spiritual leaders that God has ordained. Again, it's a similar principle. Very important. And it's point number one in your notes. If you have the, the notes that uh, were on the Welcome Center, it's this. Avoid the undisciplined so as to breed health and not disease into the body. As I said a while ago, this mindset, this set, this lifestyle is toxic to the body of Christ. And so, when, when we say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have fellowship with these people anyways because um, I, they're friends. I'm close to them. I like them. Again, that's where it becomes the difficult thing in the body of Christ. Because if, if we don't take the things of God, the body of Christ, the mission of the kingdom, more serious than anything else in this life, then we're missing the point of eternity. We're missing it. And so that's where Paul is coming from. He's coming from this, this is absolutely eternally serious. Everybody in the church has got to be on board. Everybody in the church has got to be engaged. Everybody in the church has got to be others minded. Everybody in the church has got to be contributing. Everybody in the church because you're a church, you're a body, you're a family, you're a team and you've been given this eternal mission. You've got to be engaged in it. And when you have somebody that's saying, I don't know if I believe all that. it's divisive. It's toxic, and all it takes is for somebody who is of that mindset and of that lifestyle to say, I don't know that I want to do that. I don't, I'm not comfortable with, 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 with doing this. I realize that the, the Bible says this, but I don't know. But all it takes is them touching with those words someone's ears who's struggling in their life in the church to say, you know, I don't really feel like that either. And then it pulls another member apart. Hey, didn't you used to? Weren't you? Didn't you used to be faithful? I, I, you, well, I, you know, I just I've got other things now. But again, that's why Paul's saying you have to withdraw yourself from somebody who's living this lifestyle, because when you do, it allows the health and the strength of the body to thrive, versus disease entering in. See, when someone's undisciplined, they can foster this idle. This idleness of mind, and idleness of heart, and idleness of, of life, which Paul's going to address. But what does that look like? What does an undisciplined, what does an unruly or disorderly uh, member in the body of Christ look like? Well, I would say a few different things characterize this, this, this person that he's, he's, he's saying that we're supposed to withdraw ourselves from. And that's number one, maybe somebody who's not consistent or inconsistent in their walk in their in their profession in their engagement in their faithfulness and that goes to number 2 somebody's not faithful not holding the important things as important again disorderly unruly undisciplined Maybe even sloppy in their life in, as I said inconsistent and even lazy this this idleness like I don't think that everybody has to be There for this. I don't think every this mindset that that we're, we're not a team that we don't have to do this together This mindset that that I cannot I cannot be a part of what the body is doing and it be okay That's what he's saying avoid that Because that can be be very toxic Someone who's not all on board, someone who's not all in for the team, not disciplined, not being engaged, can often bring that selfish, that consumer mindset versus a contributor mindset. That's what Paul was teaching. That's what Christ taught, that that we all have gifts, that we have abilities, that we are placed inside of a body to use those things, to edify each other so that the body is effective in the gospel work, in the mission, the commission uh, that Christ gave to the church. And, and so again, if we bring with this, this consumer mindset, I'm just going to sit back and hang out. I'm just going to relax. I, I'm just going to, to, to hear the music and, and do this or do that. And if I don't make it, I'll catch up with, with this, as I shared last, uh, a couple weeks ago in the sermon, that, the letter that I read. Again, when we bring that selfish consumer mindset, that it's about me, it's me, it's me, versus a contributor mindset. That's, where, that's what he's talking about. It's the opposite of what Jesus taught. It's the opposite of the example that Jesus le- uh, lived and left for us. They'll let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not Robert to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation and became a ser- servant. I'm sorry, became in the, in the form of a man. And a servant. Become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the, the example of our Lord is he was, he gave himself, he was a contributor, he, it was for other people. Again, it's the example that Paul and his missionary team taught, and they also set, and that's why he continues on in verse 12, um, I mean verse 7, and he says this, for yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, how you I've already taught you, we've lived this out before you, I've written to you about this before, how you ought to follow us, how you ought to imitate our lives, he says. He said, because we've not behaved ourselves disorderly among you. We didn't didn't act in an undisciplined manner. We didn't live when we were with you in Thessalonica in an undisciplined, we we weren't doing this. We weren't idle, we weren't uh, disorderly, unruly. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, or we didn't eat somebody's bread without paying for it. We weren't coming to you and, and mooch, mooching or, or, or expecting these things, but wrought with labor, toil and travail, uh, toil and labor all night and day that we might not be charged. We wouldn't be a burden to any of you. See, Paul's mindset was or Paul's teaching right here was to remind them of the example that they set that when we came to you, we were about you. We, we were thinking about you. We were, we, were, we were setting the example for you, and, 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 and we worked ourselves. We, we were contributing to you. And then he says this. It's not because we have not power. It's not that Paul, as an apostle, and, 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 and those who, who, who uh, preach the, the word should live of the word. It's not that Paul didn't have that right to say, listen, it's, it's, it's commanded in Scripture, of you to take care of those who preach the Word. He could have said that, but he said, you know what? I'm going to avoid any blame. I'm going to avoid any uh, accusations that I came and just took advantage of churches or that I was trying to build a following of my own. I'm going to avoid that. He did that in Corinth. He did that in Thessalonica. He said, look, we, we worked for what we, we, we bought. Even though we could have said, listen, we're here and we're here to minister to you on behalf of Jesus Christ and it would have been their responsibility to take care of him. He said, listen, we had the right but to make ourselves an example to you to follow us. It's not that we didn't have the right but in order to offer ourselves as this model, as this example for you to follow, this is how we lived when we were with you. Verse 10, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. As I said, the, the church has never been called to be a welfare organization. While we do help those that are struggling, we do uh, take care of the poor. We do, we do those things as a church. We're supposed to do those things out of love, and we're supposed to do those things. We are not supposed to carry people that's, that's not what it is. Now, widows, different story. If they're widows, if they're widows indeed. We've already talked about that. We talked through that uh, a, a while back. About if the widow has a family, the family's responsible. If it's a widow indeed, nobody to help, nobody to take care of, then the church should step up and help. But the individuals here that he's talking about and that he's saying avoid and, and, and withdraw yourselves from Although it's not those that that couldn't work. It's not the people that 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 didn't have the opportunity ability They couldn't provide but it was those who would not work. They would not work in the church They would not work for themselves. They would not provide for their own They were not to be supported by other Christians out of this sense of charity Well, if you loved us like we were supposed to then you would take care of us That's it the loving thing to do for those in this state was to let them go hungry so that they'd be forced to do right go to work and be a contributor and not a consumer only no christian who's able to uh, who's able but unwilling to work should be maintained by others who labor on his behalf someone once said verse 11 for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly working not at all but are busybodies Again, there are some that are living undisciplined life, that are living idle lives, that are, that are not being responsible. They're not contributing to the church. They're not contributing uh, even in their own family. They're, they're, they're just, they're, they're not contributors. And, and what they're doing is they're, they're busybodies about other people's lives. And right, that's what ends up happening. Man, I'm telling you what right? There, there's a, a great deal of um, idleness that happens today, and what does it breed? It breeds busybodyness, right? Facebook's a good connector, but it is also a good busybody tool. What's going on in their life? What's going on there? What's going on here? Hey, again, it's a good connector, but you get idle long enough, you start wondering what's going on. What's the juice? What's going on? And so there are some that, that, are, that are living their lives like this and they're not working, they're not investing. And so with all this extra time of not contributing to the church, of not providing for their own family, with all this extra time and idleness on their hands, they become worried about other people's lives. And look what he says in verse 12. Now them that are such, we command, another command, and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness, They would work, and they would eat their own bread. They would do, they would take care of their own family. They would eat their own bread. They wouldn't say, listen, we don't like the kind of bread that we're able to buy. We want to be able to buy that higher-end bread. We want to go to to this store and buy this kind of bread. We want want to live like these people live. He doesn't say that. Look, if somebody's like this, work and, and have what you have. Well, I'm not able to take care of this uh, because of this. Do what you can do. Another version says it like this, where we hear that there are some that walk in idleness and they're not busy about working, but busy bodies. Now such person we, persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn, earn their own living, to take care of themselves, to take care of their family, to not be a consumer, but to be a contributor. In the first letter, again, to the Thessalonians, there was a command to warn those that were living like this, to warn people that had this type of mindset. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, the apostle Paul tells them that. These people were relying on other people to do the work, relying on other people to take care of them, and he told them, warn them. This was still such an issue in in the Thessalonians, among the Thessalonians, that Paul here at the end of this letter, in the second letter, there's a stricter response to this situation, to this this place of idleness, this place of of consumerism. He he, he said, listen, we're commanding you. This is a command. If these people are refusing to contribute and these people are refusing to do what they can do and provide for their own, withdraw yourselves from them. Again, this lack of carrying their own weight, this lack of helping carry the load, Became a breeding ground for busybodies. And that's just what happens. When you when you aren't busy about the work and you're not busy about doing what you can do, it's easy to look at what other people are doing and not doing. And become critics, critical. And you're so focused on yourself and you're not laboring to help the whole. It's easy easy to get distracted to a fan state. find that you are improperly engaged in the lives of others to the point of distracting the work to dividing the body and so much more so when you get to this place you become a fan in the stands right the fan in the stands what are they like they're easily the loudest critics for those who are actually on the field right I mean, you can, you can sometimes hear other players, you can sometimes hear uh, the coaches, but when you are at a game, who do you hear? The fans. You know who's, who, who most of the time the people on the field don't hear when they're truly focused the way they're supposed to be focused? The fans. I remember when I was playing sports, I mean, um, some, sometimes people say, hey, did you hear I was calling your name? And I was like absolutely not you know, no way I, I mean I, way too focused I mean oh somebody's calling my name <laughs> who is it you know you know I mean every now and then on TV you'll catch somebody who comes over to the sideline and because they're worried about being showman at that level whether you know they're on TV uh, they'll, they'll be looking and pointing stuff people in the fans because it's more of a show but man When you're really in it and you're focused, you're you're not hearing any of those critics. You're not hearing any of those those people who are screaming the loudest. You know what's so interesting about that, too? Because I'm guilty of it. I think that most people who've gone to a sporting event and have a a team that they root for or follow after, it's so interesting that we refer to them as our team. You know, what we needed to do better was this. You know, uh... (laughs) I'm guilty too. I'm like, I'm not on the field, and I'm not going to be on the field. That day is long past, you know. But, but we, we talk like, yeah, our team, yeah, uh, you know, like, like we're a part of the team. <laughs> we're not. We're a fan. That's what we are. But the same deception can happen in the church. You have those who are engaged. You have those who are committed. You have those who are helping and serving and giving and contributing so that others are reached, so that others are built up, so that others are helped, so that those in need can really be ministered to. And then in the church, you have some fans. They don't often give, they don't often help, they don't often serve they don't often engage but in their fan state they often detract and many times it's so easy for them as fans to criticize they often critique this ministry that minister they often have bold opinions those bold opinions can sometimes be voiced out loud and sometimes and many times they're voiced on the way to the car after the game's over These fans often easily find other such fans. And they, as do birds, flock together. Amen. And so when you find somebody who is kind of tired of the church, or tired of hearing about this, or, or disappointed with this, or frustrated with that, you know what's so amazing? It's so amazing that those, fan, those critics, those fans, find some of the same exact fans in that same exact place, which is not amazing. The enemy's crafty. He's subtle. He knows exactly what he's doing. All of their critiquing, all their criticizing, all of their expertise as a fan never truly helps anything or anyone, but actually hurts. The most effective critic, you know who it is? It was when I was playing sports. It was, uh, It is now. The most effective critic who actually helps someone who's on the field playing is the teammate on the team, beside you, working for the same thing, with the same heart, with the same goal, sweating the same sweat, putting the same time in, it's not the fan in the stands who is an expert and has watched every game or, or knows every player and, and knows you know, where they're from and what their expertise and where their weaknesses are. It's not the fan that helps that teammate. It's that teammate next to him and say, hey, and your coach was saying this, we need to make sure and do this. Hey, it doesn't seem like you're giving your best. Let's go, we gotta win. Well, I was playing baseball, I've shared this story before, but uh, it was even a message. Um, When I was playing baseball, I I was a catcher, and so I was closest to the backstop where all the fans are, and um, I could hear people, it's it's normal, it's games, the way it goes, but I could hear people oftentimes criticizing the people that were on the field. What are you doing? Criticizing the coach. They're in the stands, the people on the field are on the field message that I preached was there were times that, you know, in between an inning or whatever, I'm just, you know, it's kind of, that I would hear people even complaining to each other about what was going on, and it was just a thought, you know, quit sitting on your hands in the stands and get down in the dirt and get to work, come out here, (laughs) And that was the, the title of the message. Uh, my brother is uh, a football official. And I've been in a couple of his, uh, uh, my nephew's games where he's in the stands. And he's been trained and got the rules. And you got parents complaining about calls the officials are making. And Sean is like, they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> hey. They're wrong. You know, and yet those fans are so passionate that they know what's right because they're in the stands and they know football. Or they, you know, again, these fans, this fan mindset, this fan lifestyle is the very person that the charge is to withdraw association from. Those who are undisciplined, those who are idle in the church and in their life. Those who, by their attitude, their actions, their investment, or lack thereof, foster laziness, foster mooching, foster selfishness, foster gossip, and foster division in the church. That's that's what it leads to, and that's why Paul says you need to withdraw yourself from them. Paul says that it wasn't the example that, that, that they had set. For the Thessalonians, it wasn't the example that, that they had seen. What the example that Paul and his missionary team set was that we came and we worked and we, we earned our own. But we served Jesus Christ with everything we could. We labored. We invested in the kingdom of God. That's the example that we gave to you. And that is key. If everyone's on the team, then everyone plays a part. Everyone works. Everyone helps. Everyone helps. This is even tangibly. If someone isn't doing that in providing for their own family with the best of their ability and living within their means, again, that's the deal, living within their means, that's, that's a problem. Well, well I, can't aff- you know, I, I need help because I can't afford this, and, but are you living within your means? Then expecting others to carry them, they're not helping the whole. Again, the attitude of the heart is key. How can I live my life in a way to be a blessing to other people in every way? Physically, spiritually, you know, you know, financially, tangibly, or spiritually? How can I be a blessing? How can I help the whole? Again, the attitude is, 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 the, is the key. The poor and the poor in spirit are, are important connections. And so what do you mean by that? To be poor and sincerely need help and to humbly accept help from others is one thing, but to be poor and puffed up and expect is another. I say, well, I, I, I'm struggling and somebody needs to help me. That is absolutely not the attitude of someone in need. That's a consumer, and that's someone living with an expectation, pulling away from the body of Christ. Someone's living lazily, not following charges, the charges and the instructions of spiritual leaders, not following those biblical commands and charges, not helping the purpose and serving and not contributing to the mission and not contributing to others then there is to be this withdrawal of fellowship, this withdrawal of connection with them. Again, as I referenced earlier, Leviticus 23, verse 22, it talks about this. When you, when you reap a harvest, the harvest of your land, he says, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of your field. Don't, don't take off the corners. Don't, also, don't gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Leave them for the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. But Paul encourages the believers who are on board those who are contributing, those who are serving, those who are helping, those who are part of the team, those who are invested, those who are in the work. Look what he says in verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Don't get weary in doing these, in doing what's right and even doing these things. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, if somebody is not following the instructions that we've given in in this letter, note that man. Make sure you you, you make notice of somebody who is, who is being divisive, somebody who is not being make make sure that you see somebody who's not giving their all for the team, who's not giving their all for the call of Christ, and have no company with him. Here's the reason that he may be ashamed. The, 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 the word ashamed is is maybe different, but put to shame. Or maybe put to a place where he realizes I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. When, when that withdrawal of fellowship happens and, and it's done in love, and the right spirit, and with the right heart, and, 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 and the right grace, when that, that disconnection, we're we'll seeing in just a second, there, there's other things that are, that are connected with that, associated with that. It's, it's for that person to say, something's wrong. I may not be doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I need, I need to get reengaged. I need to get reinvested. I need to get my heart, my mind, my life right so that I can can be a contributor, so that I can be part of the team and I can can be others-minded and not me-minded. He says, so don't keep company with him that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Instruct him. The end of all of this would be a unified body that strengthened. And point number two is that avoid the disobedient, those who are saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to follow the instructions. I'm not going to follow so as to strengthen and not weaken the body. Avoid the disobedience, those who are disobedient. It's a hard thing to do, but Paul says that the believers need not to be faint in heart in all of this because the strength that proper fellowship and proper labor, and proper discipline, and proper church discipline produce, that strength is unmatched in this world. The strength that the body of Christ, we, the believers in Jesus Christ, who have the blood of Jesus Christ and us have the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that power, that strength abides in us. Individually and collectively, we are unstoppable. Not in our own strength, but in the strength of Almighty God. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, Jesus said. And so that strength is unmatched in the world. But it's only when, again, proper fellowship, proper labor, and proper discipline are instilled in the church. On the contrary, when we allow the undisciplined to permeate, when we allow the undisciplined to just be the norm, when we allow the undisciplined to affect and allow the disobedient to remain as such disobedient, then we see a weakening in the body that renders it impotent. It renders it without power, without effect. And I want to say today, that is, I believe, largely what the church in America looks like. Impotent. Why? Because there is such a consumer mindset and a consumer heart set that we can't get focused on other people. We're so worried about us. We're so worried about our time, so worried about what we get from church, so about worried about what other people do for us or don't do for us. We're so worried about that that we can never get to that point of focusing on others and being who God's called us to be so we don't come united. In This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reach the lost. We're supposed to disciple those who are saved. We're supposed to be on board with this and we're supposed to encourage each other in this so much more as we see the day approaching. This is what we're supposed to be strong. And again, that strength is unmatched in this world, but we don't have that. We have idleness. We have disobedience. And we have consumerism. We have all this existing in the church. And and, and churches who are catering to that are, are just, they can't build the buildings big enough and fast enough. Because this type of preaching is definitely not popular there. I promise. When it goes undisciplined, the disobedient remains, again, it's without effect. And it doesn't look like a, this, this, this withdrawing of fellowship, this withdrawing uh, of, of connection from these people, it doesn't look like a better-than-thou scene from the days of the Philistines, I mean, the, the uh, Pharisees. It doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like, well, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I can't fellowship with you anymore. You're unrighteous, you know. <laughs> You're not faithful. I can't talk to you, you know. It's not that at all. <laughs> it doesn't look like a judgment from a throne of self-righteousness. Well, if you were as involved as I am, then maybe we could have lunch. It doesn't look like that at all. You know what it looks like? It looks like a teammate doing what's necessary to ensure that his or her fellow teammate is fully on board with what the team's trying to do. That's what it looks like. Not as an enemy, it says, but as a brother. Admonish them. What does that mean exactly? The word admonish means to put to mind, put in mind, to caution. Or to to reprove gently, to warn them. Hey, there's no time. Let's get on board. God's gifted you. God's called you. You're a part of this church. You're a member. Let's go. Be a part of it. Don't waste the time with with stuff that's going to perish. Come on, help us. This is a brother. It's a family member. In love, with grace and humility. Approaching them and treating them with humility and grace. Grace. Again, for the end desire of unity and ultimately glory being given to Christ and fruit abounding for His kingdom. So the person who's unruly, the person who's undisciplined, the person who's doing their own thing, the person who's not on board, the person who's not uh, engaged and contributing, who's not following example, not following the instruction of the people that God has installed, the spiritual leaders, and not following the instruction from God's Word. The Bible says Paul commanded they are to be avoided. For the purpose of bringing them back to right fellowship and engagement as a member. said, so what if it goes the other way? That's on them. It's on them. And that's where it gets hard. So what if they just stop coming to church? That's on them. What if they completely disengage altogether? What if, what if in our gentle, loving, admonishing uh, teammate trying to bring them along and get them on board, what if, what if they say, well, I don't want to do any, I'm just going to find somewhere else that's the hard part that's why paul says don't be weary in well-doing don't don't faint in doing what you're commanded to do because it breeds health it helps strengthen two commands of the church health two commands of church discipline that are important even today and he closes the letter and and i'll be done he says this now the peace the lord of peace himself give you peace always it's going to be okay and he's wrapping it up. All these things that he's talked about, all these commands he's given, even this last part of, uh, of proper relationship and discipline within the church, he said, look, it's going to be okay. The Lord of peace himself give you peace always and by every means, by every, all means, the Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is token in every epistle. So I write. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So tonight... Again, not a super comfy or, or popular message, not a cushy, ushy, gushy feeling message, but hopefully a very sobering and serious message. You know, maybe you, you don't have any association with sports, and you're like, I, I wish you would quit using those, but, but maybe it's something else. Maybe you work, work on a team at your job, or maybe uh, you, you work with a company or, or or you have some other idea of what it looks like to collaborate and to work together with somebody. Maybe it's even in your own home. If we're not together in our own home, what I'm saying is the body of Christ is our team. It's, 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 it's who we've been, we've been grafted into the, the, the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. We are, we are joint heirs with him. We are co-laborers together with God. We are in this together. And if we are not all, all in, then we're detracting from the whole purpose and this eternal, eternal fruit that God wants from our lives and from our church. So, again, maybe it's hard to do, and I'm not, this tonight is not to instigate some type of a spiritual witch hunt on, you know, who, who's not disciplined, you know, who, who's not committed, who's not in. It's not that at all. But again, taking this, taking this, this charge and this command seriously and say, you know what? I need to be this. I need to be a contributor, not a consumer. I need to be of the mindset of how can I help the church? How can I help the church help others? How can I be a blessing? How can I, in every way, spiritually, prayerfully, even finance, like how, again, we've seen that. Like provide for your own, be able to help others. It's in every aspect of our life, we're to be others-minded. Because it's when we're not that we begin to detract and divide. And that toxic mindset of consumerism, of me and myself, and what are other people doing? It creeps in, and it it renders the body impotent. So not hopefully, an encouragement and challenge, some tools, maybe you you are connected with somebody who has that mindset, and tonight would be an encouragement for you to be one of those teammates that comes alongside them and says, listen, we need you. Won't you come with me? Hey, won't you be there Sunday night? Hey, won't, won't, you, won't you help the church? Be a part of it. I realize you you work Thursday night, but hey, we can, we can be a part of what the church is doing. We can be witnesses at our job. We can be witnesses in our neighborhood. Let's, let's, let's be the other others-minded. Others minded. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity again to be in your word and not necessarily a super popular uh, message uh, in, especially in the, the church today and I know it wasn't popular when you inspired the apostle Paul to write this it wouldn't have been so serious it wouldn't have been such a strict command if it wasn't a difficult situation there in the church Lord again we find ourselves 2,000 years later in this mindset of uh, church being about us has uh, crept in. And Lord, I, I feel like that we, at times as, as churches in this, in this country, are really, if anything, treading water versus conquering, having victory, seeing lives changed, and having power, not only in our nation, but out around the world. So I pray that you would help Trinity Baptist Temple. Lord, help us be a team. Help us be a body. Help us be a family. That together we are all in. We are all helping each other. We are all contributing. We're all minded as as, as you gave us the example, Lord. Lord, I pray you move tonight. Help us respond rightly to this. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.